You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Fat Fix podcast. This week I was joined by Sophie Medlin, who is a well-known dietitian from London. Today we discussed obesity. We covered the key drivers of obesity, talking about lifestyle, environment and sociocultural factors. We discussed the cancer research campaign, the health at every size movement and weight stigma. This was a great discussion with Sophie and one I think many of my listeners will thoroughly enjoy. So this is All Things Obesity featuring Sophie Medlin. Hi Sophie. Hi David, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on to the show, first of all. Thank you very much for having me. No worries whatsoever. Um, just before we get started, Sophie, do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of a rundown on who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Sophie Medlin. I'm a dietitian. And I think it's always important to think about the difference between a nutritionist, dietitian and other people in the nutrition space. Um, what's important to remember about dietitians is that we all do clinical placements. So like doctors and nurses and physiotherapists, we train at university for four years, but we also then go into hospitals and learn how to apply the science of nutrition to medicine, essentially. And then after that, most dietitians, as I did, go into work in the NHS. So I worked in the NHS and in hospitals for about seven years. And then I moved into academia. So I was a lecturer and researcher for five years, um, most of the time at King's College London. And then in January or February this year, um, I became a consultant dietitian. So now I run my own consultancy. I get to do lots of interesting things like this during the day. Um, I see clients in private practice. I uh, continue my research program and I do quite a lot of media work and I do product development and consultancy for lots of different companies. Sounds sounds a lot more impressive than my CV, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to match that. <laughs> you probably need a few more years and then you'll be all right. <laughs> a few more, just, just a bit. Um, so basically, I just want to give the viewers a rundown of how I came across Sophie um, before I kind of wanted to get her onto the show. Is I found yourself through the post she did on the, the whole cancer research and obesity campaign that they did and I found your views on that matter really really good it was obviously with obesity it's such a broad topic and that's what we're going to kind of cover today and all the aspects around it and and things like that and also all topics that lead have been leading on through that causing kind of a bit of a, a debate in, I should say with with that campaign it's kind of brought everyone out of the woodwork kind of arguing about it you know you've got people talking about um the health at every size you know you have the weight stigma and you have people on the other end of the spectrum kind of saying that it's a good campaign and people saying it's harmful it's shameful as well so it was really good to see your point on the matter and it'd be great just to kind of kick off today's show talking about that really before we kind of filter into any other areas of obesity itself and other topics that come along with it yeah of course so 
um, the campaign, just in case anyone managed to miss it, um, was the Cancer Research UK campaign, which likened obesity to smoking. Um, so it was saying obesity causes cancer too. Um, and the imagery was of cigarette packages with the word obesity on them. Um, and the, my feeling generally about the campaign is, you know, number one, it is important that people are aware that obesity isn't benign. So obesity does carry risks and obesity um, certainly isn't something that we would want to encourage uh, people to adopt if they're not already. And it is definitely something we would like to encourage people to try and change in terms of health risk. Um, that said, everybody who I've ever met who has a problem with their weight, both in personal life and my professional life, has always known one, that they are they are overweight and two, that there are risks associated with it. And to suggest that someone just might look at that campaign and think, oh, well, I'm just going to lose weight now. If I didn't know it might cause cancer, now I'm just going to lose weight. That's just not how uh, these things work. It's not how the human brain works. It's not how, um, you know, shaming somebody into thinking or, or scaring them, in fact, into trying to make them to lose weight is, is not a helpful thing to do. So I suppose that's kind of a bit of a precy of my, my views on it. Um, but obviously it's a complex, it's a very complex issue, which we'll probably get into a bit more. Yeah, it's a, it is a very complex issue. It's obviously as well, it is a very kind of touchy subject for many, many people. Um, but I totally agree with what you just said there. And, and I shared similar views to yourself. It was a kind of, it was like a kind of no shit Sherlock advice. Yeah, <laughs> That's kind of how, how I looked at it. And it was, we need to kind of look at like giving people solutions. And I know we're going to kind of delve deep into that today with what you do with your patients as well. But I think the message on the campaign was very kind of like obvious, like you said before. And I, th I think obviously people with obesity didn't know that I've never met anyone myself who doesn't know that they are obese and that they probably need to lose a little bit of weight to improve their health. I've never met one person. I've never met one person as a personal trainer who's actually sat down with myself and openly kind of denied the fact that they don't take up enough regular exercise. They don't have, control of the caloric intake I've never met anyone like that it's all about me finding solutions rather than just sitting with that client and telling them to eat less move more and I think that cam <laughs> yeah. campaign is very similar in terms of like people with obesity know that they've in increased risk of diabetes and other cardiovascular diseases adding cancer to that list when obesity has been around for quite some time now and it's just getting worse it's just kind of like oh oh well here's another thing to add to that list and people are still not doing anything about it so I don't really see how that's gonna make it even better <laughs> it probably just scare people off even more yeah and there's also you know the the issues around weight stigma you know if doctors you know in, in a world where maybe doctors are perhaps less educated than they ought to be in nutrition you know if doctors see that campaign and then they see patients who are obese does it make them feel maybe less empathy towards obese patients who get cancer does it make the general public have less empathy towards patients who get cancer if they're obese I think there's some real danger in that um when we think about weight stigma in medicine my background um for reference is all in colorectal cancer and the impact um, of colorectal cancer and, and colorectal conditions on um, nutritional adequacy and intake and so my patients often might 
carry a bit of extra weight. We know that diet is a factor in developing colorectal cancer. Um, but if they go to a doctor who, uh, with change in bowel habit, which is one of the first symptoms of, of, of colorectal cancer, so your bowel habit changes, our doctor is more likely to think that someone who is obese has a bad diet and therefore it's their diet that's causing their bowel problems than um, it's actually being a sign of cancer. Whereas if they had a slim person in their clinic, are they more likely to look at that person and think, oh, I'm worried about this person and they probably have a healthy diet and therefore I'm not going to tell them it's their diet that's causing their symptoms of bowel cancer. Um, of course, we know that lots and lots of obese people have a much healthier diet than lots and lots of underweight or slim people. And so to suggest that the quality of someone's diet is you know dictate in terms of like vegetables and and all that kind of stuff is is necessarily correlated directly with weight is is misguided but i think that that's one of the issues with these kinds of campaigns is that it can make people think well your diet is rubbish because you're fat and you are fat and therefore your diet is rubbish and that means that any symptoms that you get are your own fault because you're overweight and i think there's some real complicated and challenging things in there um that are difficult for the health service to overcome yeah, 100%. It is, I, I think as well, it's um, with, with the campaign they have, like, there's obviously different types of people with different personalities. I think it's definitely a, a important to kind of understand as well. Like some people might, the, that scaremongering tactic as such for mm. one, from the campaign might work for some people. Some people might, you know, step that up and think, okay, I need to do something about this. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where people might, like I've mentioned before, is just think, oh, this is obvious. This is not any solutions to my problems and I'm not going to do anything about it. In fact, it's actually probably made me feel a little bit worse. And in my time as a personal trainer, you know, I've that's something that I have to look into with clients that I work with, the, those um, obese demographic is what people respond to and work best with can be completely different regardless that they may be the same physical stature as such yeah absolutely absolutely um i think there's a real danger of kind of grouping everyone in together what i would say is that um people who are already very motivated maybe they've already been able to make a few changes they to lose weight for example they may look at that poster and think well this is just another excellent reason for me to stay on the road that i'm on um people who are just completely stuck and feeling really hopeless and feeling like every diet I try fails every time I try and take up an exercise program it fails I can't do this it's too hard those people it's going to make them feel worse and I would argue that those are the that that, that demographic I was just talking about there the people who are feeling hopeless and dejected and struggling that's probably the majority of people who have significant problems with their weight and in that instance so, so I think we need to be really careful about how you know, yes it may help and motivate or give someone a little bit more motivation who already had lots of motivation and lots of tools but someone who's feeling helpless it's probably just going to make them feel worse and think well I might as well give up completely then yeah yeah I agree and um, obviously we need to try and minimize that a person feeling that way as much as humanly possible and everyone that I meet I, I take into consideration that this person's probably tried so many things yeah. and, and, and failed um, doing so. So yeah. that's why obviously it's up to myself to, to kind of find a solution as, as best I can, or at least kind of show some empathy regarding that person's lifestyle, environment, culture, to kind of help them kind of 
do what they've been seeking for many, many years without it, without it being such a, a negative experience. Because I find a, a lot of people like that. They, they're spending their life trying to, trying to lose weight. And, you know, I, I do believe, you know, there is more to life than being on one big bloody diet at the same time. Yeah, so absolutely. So it, 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 doesn't it? And it'd be great just to, while we're on this kind of topic, the whole kind of uh, culture. Kind of, what's your thoughts on that with um, with regards to obesity being the, obviously the main topic today? But what's what's that your kind of kind of concerns with that? Do you have any negatives about it? Any positives with it? And it'd be great to kind of touch upon that because at the end of the day, I'm sure everyone is trying to kind of fix the problem, which is this ever-growing um, obesity problem that we have, which is rising. I'm sure there's some people out there, regardless of your views, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to. I hope they are trying to help people. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, was the question about diet culture and my views on diet culture generally? You broke up a little bit in the middle of the question. Oh, so, yeah, a little bit about the, the diet culture. You know, we, we seem to kind of have really extreme views recently. Yeah, where, sure. And it kind of stems from you should diet to uh, lose weight. And then you've got people saying, oh, diet is going to make you have eating disorders. It's going to mess with your mental health. Where's your views on that? Oh, as always, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which is, you know, one of the reasons why dietitians struggle to get traction on social media, for example, because our messages are are almost always very much in the middle. <laughs> so, Common sense. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's not sexy message to sell that actually moderation is the key. Um, so I think that there is some really, really terrible messaging. And I think there's some really awful um, examples of people making people feel ashamed, making people feel that health is inaccessible to them. I think that there are lots and lots of people with very unhealthy bodies and very unhealthy body image trying to pretend that they are the picture of health on social media and trying to portray as if you know everyone should be eating and exercising like them to look like them. Um, there's a huge issue, I think, these days with people, one, aspiring to a body shape and size that is not healthy for anyone in particular, but probably unrealistic and unhealthy for them, especially. Um, you know, if someone has been morbidly obese or very overweight in the past, the chances of them ever getting to a place where their body, where they have a six pack or they have a thigh gap is just very unrealistic. And to be aiming for that is is unfair and creates um, a challenging dynamic in terms of them feeling um inadequate regarding however hard I try I'm never going to look like that but that's not necessarily health that's that person's version of health uh or it might not be at all it might be airbrushed and uh surgically enhanced and whatever else the issue with that whole culture is that people feel that unless they're getting up at five o'clock in the morning and hitting the gym and they're eating 800 calories a day of only avocados and, you know, all this extreme dieting. If they, if you're not a vegan, if you're not paleo, if you're not doing CrossFit every day for five minutes, every five minutes, you know, there's all these extreme things that go on. And, and actually the key to looking after your body and to achieving health is always about balance. Um, and the other side of that spectrum is people saying you should never diet, you should never um, engage in extreme exercise you must just learn to love your body as you are and I have arguably as much of a problem with those that group because basically what those people are doing is people are turning up to their clinics to, to, for help with their weight and they're saying 
you can't lose weight don't even try to lose weight weight loss isn't for you that isn't right for you you must just accept and love your body as it is and I'm not sure that's particularly helpful I think that comes from a place of um, people projecting some of their own issues maybe around food onto other people there are plenty of examples of people who have lost weight successfully and got themselves into a much healthier physical state and mental state through losing weight and through exercising and all these kinds of things so to summarize that my thoughts and feelings (laughs) on it are that there's some things we know scientifically for example if you are very tired and sleep deprived you're more likely to eat on average you'll eat about 400 calories a day more Um, and that's because your body is looking for easy to access energy to keep you awake and you're you're physiologically drawn to fast acting carbohydrates essentially Um, so if you're getting up at five o'clock every morning to exercise chances are by six o'clock at night you are going to be absolutely exhausted and the battle that people have against whether they're going to make a meal from scratch or get a takeaway is even harder for them um, especially if your ingrained habit is to do the second do the takeaway option um secondly stress is a massive thing in, in people's lives and um not only just day to day but also when we add in things like a strict dietary regime that requires you to meal prep every single day otherwise you failed that requires you to never be able to grab a sandwich on the go because you're on the run that requires you to miss out on social occasions with your friends and family that make you happy and and that are good for your soul and good for your head and good for your heart then you're on the path to even more stress and discomfort in your life which is very unhelpful and stress and discomfort also leads to us wanting to eat more food we're more physiologically drawn to unhealthy foods or less healthy foods when we're stressed and uncomfortable so we need to find solutions to people that for people that encompass them being able to eat the food that they like um, and that if you eat more of the food that you like that's healthy chances are you'll stop eating some of the food that's less healthy that you probably still like but you can have it if you want it but you need to concentrate on eating lots of the foods that you do like so finding a dietary regime that fits in with you and your life at that time that's transient it might be different in the week and different at the weekends and finding a way of exercising that you look forward to and don't dread is just super important. Other reasons that people eat are complex. Of course, lots of people are bored or lonely and whatever else. So finding hobbies and nice things that people can do that fill that time where they might be feeling sad or lonely or bored can be really, really helpful. And whether that's drawing or dancing or you know anything that just volunteering whatever it is that really helps you to feel like you're valuable and that you're doing something you enjoy and that lights up all of those reward centers in your brain that's how we create you know a sustainable and happy lifestyle for someone which enables weight loss and anyone who suggests that that's leading to eating disorders i would you know fight strongly against them on that because that's certainly not a an approach that makes people feel awful about themselves in the same way that diet culture does yeah, it was it was funny that um, you, you mentioned the whole kind of just before we kind of, you got into that topic about not being sexy and you know like dietitians and even like people like myself, you know, it's because it's those with an extreme message that have kind of <laughs> shit loads of followers or yeah. a, a, a ton of a ton of business because it's it's leading people to one way and health and fitness is very extreme mm. you know like like you mentioned before it's either like most of the clients that i meet they, they, they find the word 
sustainability or when I give them the basics, they kind of turn their nose up at it because yeah. they want a quick they, they want so yeah, yeah, they want something so extreme. And don't get me wrong, I, I get it, you know, with current society, things are moving very fast now. You know, we can we can just kind of go on our phones and order some food at the drop of a button, get a new, you know, or your girls could just order a new dress and before you know it, um, uh, ASOS is here. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I really do. I really do get that. But it's kind of this whole movement, like you say, I'm, I'm very much against those people on the, the kind of body composition side of things who are kind of preaching about, oh, this is my morning routine. I get up, I meditate, I climb Mount Everest before 9am. <laughs> I, 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 I do some gratitude. I do this, I do that. And, and then you get a lot of people. And I always like to lay this back to like, if my mum was to see that, she'd be like, there's no way I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then the other end of the spectrum, you've got people that it's going to be potentially dangerous for them to kind of be hearing things like, you shouldn't lose weight, love yourself, be happy with your body, embrace it. You should never die. It's going to cause this problem and this problem. Because on that end of the spectrum, for me as a personal trainer, having worked with many clients that have achieved great success and completely changed their life through um, changing the lifestyle, mm -hmm. whether that's just exercising, um, eating better quality nutrition, the, the rewards that I've seen from people, not just in terms of the physical appearance change, but their uh, psychological change as well has been profound. So for me to hear that other side as well, it's kind of like, well, I've seen so many people who have achieved something amazing and so special and changed all areas of their life. It's quite ignorant and rude for you to say that. Yeah, and I think that it um, tarnishes us all as healthcare professionals and other nutrition professionals who support people successfully to lose weight, you know, without giving them eating disorders etc i think it tarnishes us all with the same brush it's suggesting that we're as bad as um you know the influencers and whatever else and i think that's offensive and inaccurate and not an appropriate way to i mean one of the issues with the health every size movement which is essentially what we're talking about and the intuitive eating movement is that they are still businesses and as much as they might actually genuinely care about not giving people eating disorders and whatever else they also want to suggest that there's only one way of doing it and it's their way and so that you the only way that you'll ever be happy and not be bound up in diet culture is to go and see them in their intuitive eating clinics as opposed to seeing anyone else because it will never work ever <laughs> and they have to be loud they, they've got business to run and they want people to go to see them and i understand that but also there is something in that that's also very much diet culture led you know so it's a double-edged sword and again it's all about moderation individual approaches making um creating um you know a lifestyle change that fits in with your lifestyle as an individual as opposed to imagining that everyone's exactly the same and fits in the same category of you're at risk of an eating disorder therefore i'm not going to ever help you to lose weight yeah, I, I, I don't think any of those camps that we've just mentioned give anybody any solutions to the problems. It's it's kind of this this so I can't even this so extreme and and you mentioned then about kind of businesses and this is something that really gets my back up with a lot of people in the industry. It's kind of just like a trend and and it does seem like the new trend is the the health at every size movement and and some of the people that are actually preaching about it are ones that are used to be that other end of the spectrum 
Oh, they still are. <laughs> you know, they, you know, they still are. Yeah. That's the, thing. the amount of dietitians and nutritionists who I see on Instagram, etc., who are preaching health at every size and saying they're intuitive eating coaches and they're still there in their sports bras and tiny sh- sh- workout shorts using their bodies to sell their way of doing things there's something deeply flawed in that you know you're either buying into diet culture and using your body to sell your brain essentially or you're not and those two things do not sit comfortably alongside each other to me um but then I do have some relatively you know extreme views about whether you should use your body to sell anything really no, I, I think that's a really good point to touch upon because you're definitely seeing that a hell of a lot these days. I, I won't like mention any names and stuff, but I see someone doing like this health at every size, got millions of followers, and then they, they're promoting a, an active brand of clothing or, mm. or whatever, but their brand of clothing doesn't fit any female over the over <laughs> size 10. And I'm oh, thinking God. to myself, like, you are actually so hypocritical. And, and, it, and it baffles me because they are playing into people's vulnerabilities and insecurities that these people who are, you know, have always struggled to lose weight. Like, let's face it, these who are on the the side of these people are people that have struggled to maybe lose weight for many, many years. And, and, you know, they need some kind of comfort from somewhere. So I'm feeling a lot of people are just taking advantage of this Mm -hmm. to draw these people into their kind of following because they're, business has dried up selling diet plans yeah i completely agree and there's this, in my in my opinion yeah, yeah i agree i agree and uh yeah it's just this huge irony in uh making telling people you know people are going to turn, turn up to these people's clinics to say i want help to lose weight i want to look like you do in your sports bra or whatever else and then they're like no that's presumably they're saying oh no you can't lose weight you just have to learn to love your body as it is and yeah, I mean, there are, I'm, I'm being flippant in that. And there are far more nuances to the therapy that they provide. And sometimes it's very effective and very important work that they're doing. But it's not, you know, I find that incredibly patronizing. If someone came to my clinic and they wanted to lose weight and I said to them, you, you, you can't lose weight. You have to stay as you are. As someone who is in a, let's say, slimmer body than that person, I just I think that they would find it really patronizing and unfair and like, so it's, it's right for you to be slim but it's not okay for me to be slim is that how is that what you're saying like I don't find that comfortable at all yeah it's it's crazy because I, I you see a lot of the you know you think people would think like that like you just mentioned but I see a lot of people who are you know the the, the very overweight following these individuals who are preaching all of a sudden health at every size and they, they're loving the pulse they're saying oh this is amazing and I'm thinking to myself like do you not see it? Mm. <laughs> and, and, and if I do, if, you know, you, you're biting your tongue after the time. Well, I am, especially when I see that, I'm just thinking to myself, and I'm not one of these people fortunate enough for myself. You know, I've never been overweight. And, mm. you know, I'm, you know, I thank the lucky stars for that. And, you know, so, but to kind of be so kind of hypocritical and like you say, if I got somebody in, you know, which I, which I do get a lot of clients coming in and I was to tell them, you should never lift weights, mate. You should never look into your, your nutrition you should never exercise you should never sleep better you should never mm. de-stress it'd be just like really like oh but you, but you but you're doing it yeah, like, yeah so, exactly. and it's 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 just a, it's a crazy kind of 
industry that we're in with you know without opening a can of worms on on that aspect but something that you touched upon before Sophie with when when you mentioned about sleep deprivation and things like that have you uh you follow Matthew Walker's work um I don't but I do do a lot of stuff around sleep so very interested to talk about that if you have something to share yeah uh, yeah have you read the book why we sleep no but I've seen that I know about it yeah yeah so I've yeah I've like his book and and I've I've listened to probably about 10 of his podcasts and kind of his TED talks and things like that and mm. it's really interesting that you you mentioned things like that because that's something that I look at with all my clients that yeah, do come too. to me and they they are you know they are overweight and they want to to lose weight and they're so used to people pushing things on them like like we mentioned before you know they know that they need to probably eat less and move more but why are they eating more in the first place and why they're moving less in the first place and let me try and find those things that are holding them back change them so hopefully as a byproduct then things will happen naturally without me telling them the obvious advice yeah and it's going down the it's going down into what I do say at the start of the podcast when I introduce this show it is why people are in this position rather than just focusing on what they need to do so it'd be great just to kind of what touch upon what you do with clients because it sounds it sounds to me you know that we share similar views on that like you want to look at why people are craving certain amount of foods why, why people can't stop reaching for the biscuit tin there's a reason for that it's not that you've got issues because <laughs> yeah. we, we, we all we all love these things and don't get me wrong without talking about the taste of food and what we've habitually grown up eating it's talking about that physiological response to actually wanting that and what drives that behavior to happen in the first place yeah absolutely I think there's lots of important stuff in there um one of the the first thing that I always start with with anyone who's coming to see me is that my starting point is that you already know what foods to eat that will make you that well let me phrase that a bit better you already know what foods you're eating that are driving obesity and you already know what foods that you enjoy that are going to help you to lose some weight so there's no in what I do, there's very little dietary education. If someone was eating or drinking, I don't know, like a latte every day and they didn't realise that was 300 more calories than an Americano, for example, then yes, we can have that conversation. But ultimately, everybody knows that cake and crisps and snacks and biscuits and whatever it is that people enjoy, ice cream, etc., increases their chances of being overweight. And everybody knows that fruit and vegetables and lean protein and these health nuts and seeds and whatever help you to lose weight. There's no secrets in it, um, as you know. So that's my starting point with everyone who I work with. What we talk about is exactly what you're talking about. So understanding why people eat more uh, and are drawn and driven to eat more. And um, what one of the things I like to talk about is the fact that um, if you're eating cake with your friends and you're having a nice time and you're celebrating, then that's great and that's lovely. But if you're eating cake at night at home on your own because you're sad and you're lonely and you're unhappy, the food is the same, the calories are the same, but the reason is very different. And it's the reason for the overeating in excess calories that needs to be addressed. Um, so essentially the work that I do is trying to help people to understand the underlying causes of their overeating behaviors. And, um, it's different for everybody. You know, I certainly see lots of patients who, um, are bored in their jobs or their job makes them very stressed. So in the afternoon, they're after a snack of something description, 
um, and then they can't stop. I see lots of patients, especially in London, who come home to an empty house every night, late at night, and don't have the energy or the inclination to prepare a meal for one. Um, I see lots of people who are very sad and very lonely in their lives and don't have very full lives and they eat for for those reasons. And one of the things that we have to remember um, as nutrition professionals is that food does a great job of lighting up those reward centers in your brain. So when you are bored or lonely or sad or whatever that negative emotion is, food does a brilliant job of lighting up the reward center. And that is a physiological mechanism. And that mechanism is even more profound when you're tired or stressed. So if you're really tired and stressed and you eat something like a donut, for example, those reward centers in your brain are lit up even more than if you weren't tired or stressed. So the reward is even greater for us physiologically when we're tired or stressed and have any kind of negative emotions, essentially. So what we have to do is try and unpick those underlying causes and give people other tools and other mechanisms for still lighting up that reward center in their brain, because that's what they're looking for, but not necessarily through food anymore. Does that make sense? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I had um, a, a guy on called Steve Taylor, who's um, a dietitian a few few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. we were speaking about the whole emotional eating. And yeah, he was saying uh, things very similar. You know, you people have an uncomfortable feeling. And then what they do is they seek food to kind of help with that uncomfortable feeling to get a feeling of feeling better. And it's about trying to replace that food, whether you replace that food with something that's a little bit less calorie dense or you replace food in general and replace it with something completely different because yeah. it's not necessarily a case that that person, well, yeah, they could be hungry. and But there's also a big factor of it is the emotion side, boredom, whatever it may be. How can we kind of fix fix that and look look deep into the problem rather than like you said that everybody knows how to eat well and this is what annoys me when I see everybody doing recipes yeah, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with me, because it's not like gonna really help the problem everybody knows um the difference between a Mars bar and a bowl of broccoli like they, they don't need me to tell them that and I think it's about like you said helping people understand why these behaviors are occurring and once you teach them that through the education that you give and give them the the rationale behind it I think a lot more people trying to resonate with that and think you know what that makes perfect sense because that is happening in in my life I'm going to bed really late you know I'm exposing myself to blue light so therefore I'm delaying the onset of melatonin and from there there's so many other factors of that you know I'm highly stressed from work so I'm lying in bed and my thoughts are running through my head and I'm not switching off and (laughs) before you know it you wake up in the morning you're absolutely shattered what what you're going to do you know you're going to opt for convenience because you don't want to get up and cook breakfast you want to just quickly nip in um Costa coffee and buy a buy a big croissant and a, a really highly caloric latte and, and actually, one of the things that I find working with my patients or clients, you know, it depends on what you call them, um, is that just explaining that stuff to them, explaining that to them that it's a normal physiological reaction to what is happening in your environment. It's not your fault. It's not because you're greedy. It's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're any of those things that the kind of diet culture movement would make you think it is it's none of those things you are a human you're living in a human body and this is what happens chemically in your body when you're tired when you're stressed when things are hard and the thing that you need to do is 
learn to manage the reasons that are, the things that are driving you to eat it's not that you need me to sit here and tell you that eating fruit at four o'clock would be better than eating a mars bar you already know that you're not stupid you know <laughs> and <laughs> for lots of the people i work with letting go of some of that shame around the fact that they are driven to eat certain things and that they find it difficult to control is almost like switching on this light bulb that gives them the control some of the work that I do particularly focuses around trying to get people to reflect on on why they eat something so it might be that in the early weeks I just get them to write down when they've eaten something that they feel is less healthy why don't you just write down for me I ate this because and finish the end of that sentence so um, and anyone can obviously do this in their own time without any guidance from a dietitian or anything else but you can just write down I ate this because I let myself get too hungry for example and I found it difficult to make a, a more sensible decision I ate this because I um, was lonely and I was bored and it was there um, I ate this because I was really stressed. Um, I ate this because my friend gave it to me and it was delicious. Obviously, that's absolutely <laughs> fine to eat things. Um, so there's lots of things. And then once you can pick up a pattern and you can talk about those things, then there's some stuff in there that's practical. Like I ate this because I let myself get too hungry. OK, well, let's talk about some sensible snacks to carry around with you. So you have a snack before you go into the shop and then you can make a more sensible decision. Some of that is I ate this because I'm lonely or bored. Well, let's find you a hobby that you love. Why don't you pick up the phone sometimes when you feel like that? If you just went for a 10 minute walk, maybe you wouldn't ever want to eat that at all. Maybe you need a handful of almonds and then a 10 minute walk and then maybe that'll solve all of the problems. And so it's kind of unpicking that behavior is just so valuable. Um, and later, um, as, yeah, as, as that kind of treatment continues, I would encourage people to, reflect on the times when it's when those new techniques have worked and when they haven't and so sometimes patients who perhaps have things like binge eating disorders or struggle with those sorts of things you know we're often I'm often saying to them sometimes none of your techniques will work and that's okay let's talk about what's happened in those times because ultimately all of us overeat from time to time nobody's perfect but understanding that and recognizing what's normal overeating and what's compulsive and um ongoing overeating is a different thing yeah massively I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with everything that you you said there regarding um people's emotional states there's so many things that we need to take in consideration and that's something that I definitely um like the principle of doing like saying to my clients when you mentioned about um I overconsume calories when I got in from work it's kind of looking at um like you said what why did why was this Oh, I was really, really hungry. Okay, let's look back at your day. And you maybe have just, I like to say to my clients, you set yourself up for that to happen yeah, unintentionally. Yeah, unintentionally, yeah. of course. I'm not saying that you've done it on purpose. You know, you, something within your day has kind of hindered you from, you know, eating eating some food. And don't get me wrong, I'm exactly the same. And I, and I think a lot of people with, with what I do, when they hear that from myself, when I'll say, I would be exactly the same as you yeah. like. And they, they think, oh, you're a personal trainer. And I'm like, I'm not like all these other boring trainers who are just like preaching about the chicken and broccoli and have no life. I'm, if I come in from a full day of training clients and it's happened where I've literally not eaten for five hours and, you know, I'm six foot one and I'm not a small, small guy and I'll come in and if there's something there convenient, 
I will absolutely destroy that food. And, yeah. and, and that's not a bad thing. It's how I then react to that problem. And that's something that a lot of people need to look at as well is it's not the food that's the problem. It's probably your reaction to eating it that is the problem that we need to work on totally totally and there's this issue and I think that's what you're alluding to that people say you've been good in inverted commas with your eating all week and then you end up in a situation probably through no fault of your own maybe your meeting's gone on too long maybe you got stuck on the school run whatever and you've come home and you're you're absolutely starving and you eat whatever is in the cupboard bag of crisps would be my you know kryptonite um (laughs) family bag of crisps i'm not talking about eating a small bag of crisps um proper bag <laughs> oh the whole thing yeah um that that then is how it, as i say it's how you react in what you were saying it's how you react to that so do i think in my head i've messed up the whole week now i've i've failed again i completely give up i'm useless i can't do this or do i think i'm just gonna have a light dinner and i'm gonna get over it and it's fine, and I'm just a human, and that was a normal physiological reaction to my environment and to my day, and I'm fine, and tomorrow is a new day, and everything's, you know, I'm back on track, and there's no issue, and it's about, if with weight stigma, which is kind of right where we started, if you feel like you're terrible, you're a failure, you're going to fail, you're obese, and you might as well give up, and you're going to get cancer and everything else, then the, those feelings of, oh, God, I ate some crisps and now I'm just a complete failure and I might as well give up completely are there even more profoundly. Whereas if you feel actually that was just something that happened, normal physiological reaction to my day and to my environment, I forgive myself. It's not an issue. And later I'm going to eat something else and everything will change. Like, there's no there shouldn't be this kind of boom and bust and this punishment mentality around food. Like there's no bad food. Crisps, crisps can form a part of a healthy diet in the same way as anything else can it's just about balance and moderation and managing you know your the things that you do on a regular basis rather than the things you do occasionally yeah it's just there's a difference isn't there like you say you know you could all say oh yeah crisps you know or biscuits you know but like from a physical standpoint you could be like oh physiologically they, they might not be the best because they might lead you to carry on eating them foods and then but you from a, a psychological standpoint you're like well i'm not a robot and i don't want to hate my life eating a certain way forever and I feel like I can never eat the foods that I enjoy yeah and those foods exist and they're delicious and to tell to tell yourself you're never allowed them is more likely to make you want them you know you know that lots of people get that feeling like after Christmas for example or after you've been away for a, a holiday and you've eaten everything in sight and you've really overdone it with what you've been eating and you've enjoyed it and it's been lovely, but also you're just so sick of eating chocolate and cake and all this rich food. Often people after those kinds of holidays or Christmas or whatever, they feel like I just want to eat some chicken and broccoli. Like I just want Mm. some healthy food. And that's how you feel if you deprive yourself you know that's that's what happens if you essentially deprive yourself of fruit and vegetables and the opposite is completely true if you deprive yourself of any of you know cake and crisps and chips or whatever it is that you want if you constantly only eat the the foods that you find less appealing you're going to be more drawn to the foods that you find really appealing so it's that kind of thing in your head that says I'm never allowed that stuff or I can't have access to that stuff and that makes it even more of a fixation for you whereas if you just say I'm allowed that stuff but I'm going to eat these things first or I'm going to go for a walk first or I'm going to you know do something that lights up my reward center so that I'm maybe a little bit more in control of how much of that I'm eating 
then you you're on track for doing things in a measured way um quite a lot of my patients they might say you know so for example the vending machine at work is a classic one right it's always there it's always looking at you it's very tempting other people are using it all the time and that's hard when you have that craving to go and get something from it if you're not genuinely hungry then feel like try something different first of all so text a friend like I'm massive about community and and looking after people and looking after each other so text a friend and just say hey I was just thinking about you and I hope you're all right um hope everything's all right see if you can get some text back and have a bit of a dialogue that lights up your reward centers beautifully and it might be that you just need that little bit of nice interaction that will help you to switch off from that feeling of wanting to go to the vending machine it might be that a 10 minute walk which will light up all your reward centers in the same way and will burn a few extra calories will then make you be able to reset and think actually I don't need that now I'm back on track I just was a bit stressed let me like work through this um even things like delaying that feeling so even if you say okay right now I really really want to go to the vending machine but I'm going to give myself I'm going to wait half an hour and if I still really really want to go to the vending machine then then I will have something and that's okay those kinds of techniques can really help you just just to rationalize that that feeling a little bit and that will never work 100 percent of the time for everyone all of the time like that's just not how we operate as humans but sometimes that might work and if that works 80 percent of the time then that's amazing you might have saved yourself i don't know let's take a classic example you might have saved yourself like six mars bars in a week and that's brilliant right that's a massive step in the right direction yeah exactly and save yourself a bit of money as well <laughs> yeah for sure I think I think it, it, like you just mentioned then it's I think these giving people solutions are so so important I, I literally can't stress it enough I, I've had clients that I've worked with and I remember one client in particular that I, when I was working in Australia he um he came to to myself and we kind of had a look at his kind of his lifestyle and he was drinking eight cans of diet coke uh, sorry eight cans of full fat coke every day okay uh, so I said I was I sat down with him and he was like I know what you're going to tell me I shouldn't have like Coca-Cola and you're going to replace it with water and I said to him <laughs> well let's I said to him mate um, I enjoy Coca-Cola as well by the way I said to him like that's not a very good trade-off like let, let's face it like for someone that's habitually drunk a lot of fizzy drinks you know it's not really a good trade-off. It's like, like I said before, swapping a Mars bar for some broccoli or something for, for some people. And yeah. I, he said, I said to me, so it's just like, okay, I want you to now, whether it's instead of having eight Cokes, maybe let's reduce it to six or let's let's include a few, half half and half. Let's have four full fat Cokes and four diet Cokes. Yeah, so yeah. ultimately I'm, whatever, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of like food swaps with people because that way they feel like, oh, you know what? He's not he's not being a bit of a dictator here. He's kind of giving me solutions. He's not he's not giving me something that I feel like I can't do. We're making kind of like an agreement and a little bit yeah. of a trade-off. Yeah. And for sure. his adherence from doing that is brilliant. And then as a byproduct, he'll start feeling a lot better because he's not drinking as much with the Coca-Cola. And then he'll he'll stop that habit himself without yeah, me just telling sure. him that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, isn't it? Showing people that they can do it and it's not all or nothing is so valuable. One of the things I think that people feel when they start a new diet is that they can't go out for dinner or they can't have a And actually, if you say to yourself, well, 
okay it's Wednesday tomorrow night I'm going out for my dinner with dinner with my friends and I want to have whatever I like and I don't want to think about I'm going to put say my diet in inverted commas I don't want to have to think about whether it's healthy or not if you were sort of saying in your head well I'm never going to be able to go out for dinner and eat whatever I like again then that that's unmanageable right but if you're like okay I'm going to eat this salad tonight because tomorrow I'm going to have to go out for dinner with my friends and I don't want to have to think about what I'm eating that's much much more manageable and a much more sustainable way of thinking about things than to think I can never eat coke again or drink coke again it's like (laughs) okay I'm not going to drink coke this in this 10 minutes but in the next 10 minutes I am allowed to and it's those kind of swaps but also realistic transitions that are that are the best way of moving forward chances are if you've been realistic with your diet and you feel positive and you feel capable of of being healthy and you feel empowered to be able to make better choices when you do go out for dinner with your friends you probably will still make better choices because you you're starting to value yourself in a different way you're starting to feel differently and you're starting to feel more positive but if you say to yourself you're never allowed those things ever again and then suddenly you're, you have a free-for-all then you know you, you're going to have that boom and bust mentality and you're going to fall off the wagon and it's just very difficult not to not to do that it's very difficult for anyone not to do that yeah exactly I like to make a plan with my clients as well like make it feel like it's part of the plan so when they have got a meal out on at the weekend say they go they're going out with friends it's it's not a case of kind of acting like we're still on the a, a diet as such but it's kind of saying to them like this is the plan now. I want you to take take on a few more calories today because you're going out this evening. That's totally fine. You know, we're training this morning. We're going to require more calories because you're going to be doing a hard training session with myself. I kind of like to make them feel like it's part of the process and the plan. So that way, once it's happened, they're not feeling like shit for doing it and they're not feeling like they've let me down or themselves down. And I'm like, it's yeah. fine. That was part of the plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it helps... Like I'm a massive foodie. I love food. I love restaurant culture. I love cooking. I love eating. It's really important part of my, what makes me happy and what brings me joy. So I think that helps with my clients as well. Cause I'm always talking to them about what, you know, did you delicious? Like, have you tried here? Have you tried there? And so it's not as though I'm saying in any way, pretending that I just eat chicken and broccoli every day because one, that I've been miserable and two, it's not a balanced diet, but you know, there's that kind of, celebrating with them helping them to enjoy their food as well as they're enjoying you know there's the kind of philosophy around did you have a good time with your mates where did you go that sounds really fun good for you that sounds really positive like all of this kind of positivity and language around positivity especially if it's social eating and social interaction because ultimately that is so valuable to us as humans we have to embrace our the fact that we're pack animals, the fact that we get so much from social interaction. And um, if someone's, you know, starving themselves and not going out with their friends because they're because di- of their diet or because of their exercise regime, the balance is way off for me. That's not how to be healthy at all. Obviously, equally, if you're out binge drinking every night of the week, the balance is also off there. <laughs> but that's not necessarily the healthiest way of sustaining friendships either. So, you know, there's lots to talk about, but it's... um. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with that completely. 100%. I think obviously we've covered pretty much about like how people should potentially approach the nutrition, approach uh, touched upon like the the lifestyle in general and a little bit about um when you when you spoke about kind of the physiological aspects that happen from 
lifestyle factors as well. Um, it'd, be, it'd be great just before we kind of wrap this one up, Sophie, to just to kind of discuss the other factors that you believe are contributing to um, obesity still being a really prevalent issue here in the UK and well, and all over the world. Like, What other kind of factors and would you look at with your patients that can really kind of make people, again, drive to over-consume calories, not exercise as much? What, what other things are, are involved in this? So obviously it's hugely multifactorial and it's hugely individual. I think that food, the food industry has a big part to play. I think that the way that we're marketed food um, is acting completely, completely to our detriment. And um, by that, I mean things like how available food is constantly to us. Um, if we think about so if everyone thought about their food environment and what is accessible to them within, say, I don't know, half a mile radius, what food can you pick up within that half a mile radius? What we know from research is that people particularly who come from poorer backgrounds, so are struggling more financially, the food that's going to be available to them with a half, within a half mile radius, depending on where you live, is more like far more likely to be things like takeaways, uh, perhaps a corner shop that might stock almost 90% crisps and chocolate, um and those sorts of things so your food environment in the food industry has a lot to answer for and that's essentially governmental business i would say um there are also of course lots of people who don't really know where their next meal is going to come from and so for those people there's absolutely no point in me saying well you have to have an avocado for breakfast instead of cereal because an avocado costs the same amount as a whole box of cereal for a start but two, you know, if you just don't really know what it's going to be, then how can you be making choices about it being healthier or less healthy? So in terms of like macro picture of obesity um, in the UK in particular, we have so many problems that are essentially governmental problems to fix and policy problems. Um, and that's really hard. And I think if you are in a privileged position as our my clients and your clients are David to be able to afford professional support outside of the NHS with your diet and with your fitness and whatever else um we are mainly talking about those things in terms of probably stress lots of people doing stressful jobs or they'll have family life to contend with and all these kinds of bits and pieces and we're thinking about sleep because lots of us just have poor habits in terms of sleep um and those are kind of the main things, I guess. And, you know, the fact that convenience food is just so convenient and it's so delicious and it's so tempting all the time. Or I think the other thing that a lot of um, that a lot of the things we've lost are things around community, around looking after each other, around making sure that you've got people to talk to, having comfortable and easy conversations about how you're feeling and, and where you are in your head and all these kinds of things is just so important and so valuable and lots of people don't allow space in their life for those kinds of conversations and to have people who they can talk to about those sorts of things so yeah I think that in for our population group that we're talking about it's mostly about stress sleep uh, and mental health really um, and that's not to say that everyone who's obese is miserable and lonely and unhappy that's just not true at all but uh, they probably are more likely to be stressed more likely to be unhappy and more likely to be struggling with some things in their life that actually need unpicking before we start talking about diet and all that, that kind of thing that yeah that, that that's 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 makes so much sense I think yeah you, you're totally right there it's um you've got so many kind of you know impacts on on it as well you've obviously like we said we've 
we've discussed environment quite a bit and then you kind of mentioned about like the social cultural factors such as kind of marketing and we we basically have like all these calorie dense highly palatable foods thrown in our faces um, you've obviously got like you said before you know financial aspects because the cost of an avocado on toast at a cafe these days i need to take out a mortgage for it <laughs> yeah absolutely. so we've we've literally got there's there's so many things that can kind of affect a person and and, and i do and i don't think obesity will ever be tackled unless this is really looked into like a hell of a lot rather than just looking into just the diet like a lot of people do like we know what works you know science is science we we, we understand the process behind weight loss yeah however how do we get people to actually do it that that for me is the key and being a personal trainer for so long there's been so many times i've been bashing my head against the wall with lots and lots of clients in my time because there's so many factors that i've got to look into to help drive that behavior change and help get them on the straight and narrow to where they want to be and it, it takes years i believe of obviously experience and understanding these things and that's why i wanted to create my podcast because it is much much more than just talking about what they've probably heard before yeah absolutely it's about other the other deep lying things that that i believe really matter and what i've experienced with with my clients and what really gets them the results is like we spoke about today the education behind all aspects of physiology the, the psychology the the, how we can change their um, or help them understand their environment the lifestyle and all these factors that have been contributing them to put them in the position that they're currently in and yeah. how we can change it with solutions for sure and just before we round up there's just a couple of things that are totally worth mentioning somebody smarter than me said the other day that actually it's um a wonder really that any of us are not over, over obese so if we think about our environment if we think about the world that we live in right now it's the, the path of least resistance is to gain weight that's the easiest thing to do and if you think about the way transport's changed the way that our work has changed the way that our food environment's changed it's much easier to gain weight than it is to not gain weight and so it's no wonder so many people struggle with that. And that really, again, releasing people from some of the guilt around weight gain is just so important and so valuable. And secondly, I would just say that around that obesity uh, and cancer research campaign that we started at the beginning with, around that discussion was a lot of personal trainers and a lot of what I would call kind of gym bro personal trainers saying that it's just down to personal accountability it's entirely your fault if you've gained weight and if I can keep slim then you should be able to keep slim and some of this really negative really unhelpful discussion and so what's important is that if people are considering getting a personal trainer they make sure that they work with someone like you who understands that it's a multifactorial and complex problem and that they're going to work with you on your mental health on the way you think about food and the way you think about exercise and you think about yourself rather than just saying which I've seen rhetoric around so much if you're overweight it's your fault you just need to eat less um we all know the guy who just shouts calorie fucking deficit at people um, which is very unhelpful <laughs> you know I get patients in my clinic saying I know that I have to create a calorie deficit I know it's simple but I can't do it and suggesting that it's simple it's a simple rhetoric and it's a simple message but it's a difficult thing to implement and I think we need to um have more personal trainers who understand that it is difficult 
and how to overcome those challenges rather than just shouting the same things in people's faces over and over again. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like going back to that empathy, isn't it? As, mm-hmm. best, as best we can, really. And just kind of, like I said, teaching people about the importance of calories, of course. Like, we, we know that and people need to understand that. And I've, I've done a podcast on that, explaining that in the best way I can. But at the same time, ultimately for me, with what I've, how many people I've worked with, it's it's not kind of it's part of the message, but there's so many factors that can influence a person's ability to adhere to a calorie deficit as well. That's that's the real issue here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think that people just need to work with somebody who they have an affinity with and who they feel comfortable with, whether that's a dietitian or a PT or a nutritionist, whoever it might be. If if you my opinion on that kind of stuff is that if you speak authentically and if you speak from a place of empathy and you speak your your sort of the messages that you feel strongly about then the right people will come to you and you'll you'll attract the types of clients that you want to work with and the types of clients that you feel you can help the most and that's what's really important in the end everyone wants their clients to be successful because that makes you feel happy and it makes them feel happy and everyone wants that so if you're finding that things aren't successful you need to find another way it sounds like you've got uh, exactly right. yeah yeah, I think I think that's a, a really kind of good way to kind of wrap this one up. I think we've covered so many things in this podcast. I think so, so too. And, uh, <laughs> I think it's been it's been re- honestly it's been really lovely chatting to you. Me too. Um, you the way you put the message across today has been absolutely fantastic. I'm oh, sure a lot you. of listeners will um, will resonate with what you had to say, and and like you say, it's it's touching a lot of people. Hopefully, that they can be like, that sounds like me oh, this is what I need to do. Finally, I've got some solutions, hope hopefully, so. from this from this episode. And yeah, if you just want to just quickly just tell people where they can find you, Sophie, because I'm sure a lot of people will want to definitely start following you and, and check out the work that you do for sure. I think it'd be great to end it on that. That's fine. Thank you. So all of my social media is under Sophie Dietitian. And dietitian is spelt with two T's, not a T-I-C. People get that wrong a lot. So if you can't find me, that might be why. Um, so it's Sophie Dietitian on all social media. And then my website is citydietitians.co.uk. We have clinics in central London, but also we offer Skype consultations and things like that if people did want to think about booking an appointment. Perfect. I'm sure that will uh, hopefully get you on again, Sophie, because there's so much to talk about with what we do and I know that you do work in other areas as well. So it'd be it'd be great to touch base on other topics down the line when I release more and more of these podcasts and, and things like that. And it's great to get someone on like yourself. Anytime. Thank you for that. It'd be lovely to speak to you. Uh, uh, no worries, Sophie. Take care. Enjoy and thank your day. You. Thank you again. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Fat Fix podcast. And I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you have not already, please make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out on any future episodes. I also can't stress enough how much it means to me, to those that have left me a star rating and written review on iTunes. This will ultimately help me reach more people like you and really help them too. So please give me two minutes of your time to do this if you haven't already. Lastly, any shares and mentions on social media is also massively appreciated. I will see you very soon for the next episode. Thank you very much.